You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Billy Graham used to read through the Psalms and the Proverbs every week. I mean, every, every month. I'm sorry, not every week. Every month, Billy Graham would read through Psalms and Proverbs, and he said, I read the Psalms to tell me how to speak to God, how to get along with God. I read the Proverbs to tell me how to get along with man and with people. So true. We've been reading in the Psalms this summer, and now we're going to take three weeks and get a little bit of a glimpse into Proverbs. I've told you that this was coming. I didn't say last week that it was coming, but it'll be today and the next two Sundays. Ricky Lee will be preaching next week, then I'll preach the, the, the following week. We're going to talk about Proverbs. We're going to look into Proverbs. Why spend a few weeks in Proverbs? Well, the primary reason I wanted us to get a glimpse of this fascinating Old Testament book is to understand its purpose and its structure and how to profit from it without losing touch with the gospel. You know, it's very easy in Old Testament books when you take a, a deep dive into an Old Testament book. If you're not looking for Jesus in that book and you're not looking for the gospel, you can lose touch with the gospel. It's especially true in Proverbs. And since we could spend a whole year in one chapter of Proverbs. We're going to content ourselves with a quick look that will hopefully inspire more time in the book for you and also more profitable time in this book. So as we approach Proverbs, we must constantly remember that we do good works because we have been saved, not so that we might be saved. We have been saved through what Jesus did on the cross God said, keep the law. We said, okay, we'll do it. That's what they said in Exodus, you know, we'll do it. We're going to keep every word. And it wasn't too long at all before they were dancing around a calf that they had made as an idol. We're the same way. We'll keep that law. You know, if I ask you, have you sinned in the last week? And you say no, then my response probably would be, other than that lie you just told, when is another time perhaps that you... <laughs> have sinned this past week because we cannot, we're not good enough to keep the law. And God requires perfection, so we couldn't do it. He sent his son, Jesus, who was perfect, lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we deserved. And when we repent of our sins and believe that Jesus died for us, then we belong to God's family. And Proverbs frankly, like all of the Bible, is written to God's family. Now, I know we all heard the word preached in some way or another, even if you were in a hotel and you looked in a Gideon Bible and you saw at the front. If you're sad, go to this passage. If you're anxious, go here. If you want to know God, go here, and it gives the gospel. Somebody is presenting that in such a way that it makes sense to us. We are saved by the preaching, through the preaching of the gospel. You probably haven't thought about it that way, especially your parents led you to the Lord. They were preaching the gospel to you. You heard the word from someone else. And then, all of a sudden, the Bible, which was closed to you, becomes a wide open book. 
And you begin to understand that's because it's a family book. This is a family book. And so the Lord is instructing us like a father instructs his son. The the wisdom that we're going to find in Proverbs doesn't come from its primary author, who is Solomon. There are a few other authors, and there are sayings of Solomon that Hezekiah collected. There are places where Solomon said, okay, these are the sayings of the wise. But Solomon is the primary collector of sayings or the author of these Proverbs. He was known as the wisest man to ever live, even though he died a fool. But the wisdom is not coming so much from Solomon as it is from Yahweh. As we have seen recently, the New Testament authors go to great lengths to show that Jesus was and is none other than Yahweh in the flesh. The title of today's message is Wisdom from Yahweh. And our text is Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. We'll begin by reading the text. And as is our custom, I'll ask you if you would stand, please, out of respect for the word of God. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, <clears throat> to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Not always straightforward, is it? <clears throat> Proverbs is going to help us how to make sense of things that we can't just go to chapter verse in the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Be seated. Before exploring the wisdom of Proverbs, it is important to establish once again, or reestablish from the introduction, that the New Testament affirms Jesus Christ as the power and wisdom of God. He has become wisdom to us in place of our own wisdom or in place of the wisdom of the world. Colossians 2.3 tells us that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Proverbs, we find that wisdom and righteousness are connected. In Jesus, wisdom and righteousness are connected. If we are in Christ, then Jesus' righteousness is ours through faith, and wisdom is ours in Jesus through reading and obeying God's word in faith. What was Jesus called in John? In the beginning was the word. Interesting, isn't it? And wisdom is wrapped up 
Holy Spirit, the Word of God, inextricably linked. You cannot separate the two. So I'll come back to that in a little bit. Reading through Proverbs at times just may lead to frustration and conviction and guilt. Proverbs can be difficult, but in Christ, put your gospel glasses on when you read Proverbs. Then you, we will find instruction for living a life that pleases God and points to our union with Christ. Before Jesus, Proverbs is an encouragement only to those who are natured in such a way to live a disciplined life. So are you natured like this? Or are you natured like this? <laughs> like I am. I couldn't do that if I weren't natured like that, right? <clears throat> After Jesus, there are a few places in Scripture, like Proverbs, to help us navigate this life where conventional wisdom changes over time. And in our day, it changes at warp speed. If this book is man's wisdom, there will come a time when it is no longer relevant. This is, though, Yahweh's wisdom, and the principles laid out here are 100% beneficial for those in any age who take heed. Speaking of, let's examine from our text the benefits of the book, the intended audience of the book, and the theme of the book. Now, there's three things we're going to look at. I haven't listed them on, on any kind of a slide, but three things, the benefits of the book, the audience of the book, and the theme of the book. <clears throat> now, the benefits of the book are listed in verses 2 to 6, where we discern quickly that there is far more to the blessed life than obeying what we understand to be right and wrong in Scripture. If the law were all we, we needed, then we'd be good in every situation at all times. We could just know how to go through life. The law tells us one thing. Proverbs gives us wisdom to attend to those things that don't make sense. Michael Talley said when he preached through Proverbs a few years ago, I'm sure I'll be stealing from him over these next couple of weeks that I'm preaching and probably stuff that he stole from me and I've got it from, well, you know, it's just we, we, we talk a lot about our sermons. Uh, and he said this a few weeks ago. You know, you know, you never hear someone stand up in a prayer meeting and say, I, I'd like prayer, please. I'm having trouble with my boss, and I need to know whether or not I should murder him. I mean, we know the answer to that question, right? We don't ask for prayer along those lines. But, but there are times where we need wisdom on how to get along with a, with a difficult person. If only the Ten Commandments were all we needed. We need, though, wisdom for a contrary boss or a co-worker or a difficult family member. But you know, here's the secret about Proverbs. It's not so much getting along with others. It's teaching us how not to be a contrary boss or a lazy worker or a difficult child. Proverbs has more to do with principles than promises. Now, you really need to understand this. Proverbs has more to do with principles 
than promises. Now, look, we can take Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 to the bank. You'd love that. And I'm not messing with this text at all in your mind. But, but you must understand the path along which God leads you may not be the path that you would have chosen. And it might not be an easy path at all. Remember, in the Old Testament, God said, essentially, if you will love me and obey me and serve me, I will bless you in every way you can possibly imagine. I will give you long life on top of riches and all these other things. Of course, no one was able to love and obey God. So there were problems, big problems. And God sent Jesus to die for us. Our identity in Christ leads the New Testament writers to say, if you love and obey and serve Jesus, you will suffer. Now, rather than a curse, when we understand that this goes not only to God's glory, but to the glory that he has designed for us, think about it. The glory he has designed for us and the relationship that we have, all are strengthened by suffering. If you take Proverbs as a book of promises, you'll find yourself tempted either to ultimate discouragement or to a prosperity gospel mentality. Well, if I do this, <coughs> then God has to respond, respond that way because he promised he said, if you'll do this, then this is what will happen. When you think about it, when we require God to do something in that way, just because we have obeyed him for once in our lives, since there's a song for everything, for once in my lives, you know, it's, it's always, this is, this is what it's like. I, I apologize to live in this head, you know. But if we obey and we expect God to therefore reward us, we are looking at this life as what we can get out of it. Now, it is true, and understand this, that if you live according to the principles in Proverbs, generally your life is going to go better. But living this way is not easy. Not easy at all. If God does not do his work in us, we will not be able to accomplish it on our own. It is Yahweh's wisdom, but it must be the life of Christ that accomplishes this life in us. So one last word about the benefits of Proverbs and how Proverbs, the Proverbs work. At first blush, Proverbs 26, 4 to 5 seems to be contradictory. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. What's up with that? Exactly. This is the point of Proverbs. There are times when you are compelled to expose the foolishness of one who has not benefited from Yahweh's wisdom, and there are times when you will only make matters much worse by engaging a fool. You will, in fact, become a fool yourself if you're not careful just being close to a fool. 
and just engaging a fool and, and trying, to, trying to expose a fool. There are times when he needs to be exposed, but there are times when you better be careful. It's just like Proverbs says, don't go with an angry man lest you be like him. Choose your friends carefully because you're going to become like your friends. How can you discern when it's time to speak and when it's time to remain silent? By wisdom from Yahweh. And remember this, Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. The intended audience of Proverbs. So those are the benefits of Proverbs. Now the intended audience of Proverbs is stated in verses 4 and 5. It includes a wide range of individuals. The simple the young, and the wise. In other words, there is hope for a fool. The young need instruction. And the wise are always learning. They're always teachable. Proverbs has a lot to say about the fool. It also has a way of talking about the fool and then just you know, you're all into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know somebody like this. And then he'll whip up a mirror right in front of your face and say, uh, better think about this. Look, after several verses about the folly of a fool, Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. We learn in Proverbs that there, there's a little of the fool in all of us. Just as well, this book is for all of us. This book is also for the young. It's God's design for the young to learn from the older. There is no way around this design if you wish to walk in step with God's Spirit. Look, if you're a student or if you're connected with students who are off on summer break, would you please make sure they listen to this message? And you can tell them, Pastor Brad said, you really need this. You specifically really need this. We all need to know this, especially the young. Up until 15 to 20 years ago, there were established ways that knowers passed information to learners. Now, it was breaking apart before that, but really it's only been the last 20 years or so where there were alternate ways of learning wisdom. There were natural systems in place to pass knowledge from one generation to the, to the next. Think about it, up until the 21st century. Men passed knowledge to boys, women to girls. Learning took place within ethnic groups, within socioeconomic sectors, within large and closely connected families. And through any number of similar structures, there were ways that information was passed from one generation and wisdom was passed from one generation to, a, to another. But the internet changed all of that. I mean, why do you need to learn from an older generation when you carry in your pocket a library that is more impressive in the Library of Congress in D.C. or the Alexandria Library in the ancient world. And besides, P. 
people your own age who actually live in the world that you live in can tell you what you need to know with clever memes and impressive graphics. All the knowledge in the world, though, cannot produce wisdom. Especially the knowledge that you find on the internet, which, by the way, the internet knows your preferences, and it, it, it keeps you away from alternate views that may, God forbid, cause you to develop critical thinking skills. Fortunately, the book of Proverbs was written as a father to a son. And even though the world is designed to cause you to think in a certain way, all you need to do to avail yourself of Yahweh's wisdom is to pick up the Bible and turn to Proverbs. And by the way, it would be helpful if you find a wise mentor who will help you process what you're learning. Now, lest you oldies are thinking, that's it, Pastor, tell those youngins a thing or two. You should know, first of all, that we are just as susceptible to those clever memes and impressive graphics as the younger generation are. I know that uh, you oldies are Facebook whizzes, you know. <laughs> Kids don't not on there anymore. Don't expect them to be when they go to college. They want off of your world. They want out of your world. And I'm trying to tell them, don't do that. But it's also wise for us to remember that Proverbs is written, in addition to the fools and the, and the young, it's written to the wise, to those who already know a thing or two. Why? Well, again, because we can all play the fool at any given moment. And second... Wise people are constantly learning. Maybe the most important quality for a teacher to possess is a teachable spirit. You know what I find many times when I am reading theology books and, and seminary professors are writing and they're giving their gratitude to this, that, and the other, and they say, most of all, I, I have to give thanks to my students who engage these lessons with me, and I learn so much from them. Thank you. Now, that's the spirit that Proverbs is saying we all need to have. So that's the intended audience of Proverbs. The theme of Proverbs is found in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, the, of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This phrase, the fear of Yahweh, is found 14 times in the book of Proverbs. Not surprising, right? Because it's all over the Old Testament. Well, actually, it's only seven more times in the rest of the Old Testament. 14 times in the book of Proverbs. While sometimes the fear of the Lord indicates fear that's akin to terror, most of the time it implies a respect that longs to please the Creator and the Redeemer of God's people. The fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. When we fear and respect our Savior in this way, we long to please Him. We long 
to be like Jesus with whom we are united. One could not do better than learning and, and practicing the wisdom that is found in Proverbs. To know the truth given in this book is only the beginning of knowledge. To absorb its truth and to practice it will lead to an understanding, a, a far better understanding of divine wisdom. Now, you need to understand this. When you speak divine wisdom to the culture today, the culture is not going to say, wait, 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 wait. Scott Shambly's speaking. Now, let's, let's hear what Scott's got to say. They're probably going to say, you're a fool. What, what, how can you say this? You're, these beliefs are so antiquated. You know what? Sooner or later, we'll come right back around, and it'll be proven to be true. Don't you go anywhere. You stay right here. Are you going to live like that all the time? No. You're going you're to play the fool. No matter what age you are, well, we're going to play the fool. <clears throat> Maybe this week. But you stay right here. Stay grounded because the world will catch back up to it. It thinks it's so far ahead. Not so. The alternative to pursuing wisdom, unfortunately, is the way of the fool. Verse 7 tells us, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So how do you do in the receiving instruction department? Winston Churchill used to say, I am always ready to learn, but I am not always ready to be taught. I get that, and so do you. But we cannot be wise if we refuse to receive instruction. I don't care who we are. It does not matter who we are. The book of Proverbs is not easy. But it's thrilling. If you want to be wise, that is. Thus concludes the introduction to our glimpse into Proverbs. We're going to be looking again for the next two weeks, but that's the end of the introduction. And even though uh, just two more weeks will be dedicated to Proverbs, I'm going to challenge you to join me in reading through Proverbs in, in the month of August. 31 days, one chapter a day, you can do it. I, I think you're going to, I hope you're going to see, you know what? I think I may have missed a thing or two this month, so I thought, I'm going to do this for three or four more months. One chapter a day, though, is all it takes. We're going to close, although do not get your hopes up with those words, because this is going to take a few minutes. We're going to close with a few principles that you'll find through Proverbs. And these points may seem random. That's kind of the way the book feels. But there is great structure as these things are visited, revisited. These themes are revisited over and over and over. And by the way, there's so many things. You're probably going to be thinking, well, why didn't you talk about gossip? Why didn't you talk about this and that? All the different things that we could talk about in Proverbs. That's true. These are just a few lessons that you'll learn. First, here's the first one, but seven of these, beginning with the path of the wise and the direction of the fool. What you're going to learn, how to be wise. Now, if the path of the wise always walked in the opposite direction of the fool, it, it would be simple enough to know when you're on the right path. 
Sometimes, though, these paths are running together. And even though the paths are distinguishable for the, for the, for the really wise people, there are enough similarities to confuse all but the wisest of souls. Believers have the Holy Spirit to guide us. And the Holy Spirit, who is the author of Scripture, will not contradict himself. So if you want wisdom, begin by jumping into the Word and staying in God's Word. Second, you will learn how to listen to both sides of an issue before commenting about the issue or about the people involved. Well, look, we're so good at this. Let's move on to me. No, just... Maybe we could work on this a little. One of the points that Solomon was making in the introduction that we read uh, this morning from the book of Proverbs was that it's designed to teach young men how to think. Now, I'm going to bring in the women in just a little bit. Young women, don't, don't, don't think that um, this is intended only for boys. We learn to think for ourselves when we commit to hearing both sides of an issue before commenting. Proverbs 18.17 says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. We see that played out all the time, don't we, on, on television? Do you determine your position on an issue after hearing both sides, or do you seek to find out what your tribe thinks and then base your position, position on groupthink? Wisdom requires more than a good Twitter feed. Third, we'll learn what it takes to be a good friend and how not to be a burden. I hope you have found a number of good and faithful friends at Grace Community Church. There are a lot of wonderful people in this place. And Proverbs will teach you how to surround yourself with good people, and it will teach you how to be a good friend. Now, the culture is not going to teach you that. It's going to teach you how to protect yourself and to pamper yourself and to believe in yourself. And are you detecting a pattern about what the culture is going to teach you? Proverbs will teach you how to give and how to know when to stop so that you don't become a burden. Fourth, the devastating impact Sexual sins. It comes up over and over and over in Proverbs. Since this book is primarily written as a father to a son, there's much warning given to young men about falling into sexual temptation. But it goes both ways for sure. Both boys and girls, men and women, we all need to be reminded of this. Proverbs reminds us that the only sensible and wise thing to do with temptation, especially to sexual sins, is to kill it. You can't play with it at all. It's like playing with a rattlesnake. Don't go near it. Don't listen to it. Don't hear it. Don't look at it. In no way indulge your flesh at all. Don't be fooled. Because of all the sins... 
this one may be the most devastating. Just think what a different world this would be if we were all faithful to each other in the ways that Proverbs tells us to be. Think of all the divorces that would not have been had. Think of all the families that would... Just think. It's hard to think in the middle of temptation. So Solomon says, just don't even go there. And then he married 700 wives. <laughs> My wife, I probably shouldn't tell it from the pulpit and on the World Wide Web, um, but... My wife, Linda, when we were in the mountains, um, used to teach Sunday school, and she was talking about Solomon and his 700 wives. I don't know how she talked about his 300 concubines, but one of the little boys said, wow, he must have had a big bed. <laughs> Just the way kids think, you know. And he did, and it got him in trouble, a lot of trouble. God designed sex to be a beautiful gift within the proper context. But any sexual activity outside of a biblical marriage, and a biblical marriage is one that follows God's created order. Any marriage outside of God's design is sinful. And the consequences are devastating no matter what the culture tells you. Do you really have a choice to make? Yeah, you do. You have to make it day in and day out. It's either this or the internet. It's either this or your friends and everybody who's buying into the conventional wisdom. Fifth, how to make money without being controlled by it and the importance of being generous. Now, there's an interesting thought. Proverbs tells you how to make money. But it also tells you how not to be controlled by it. Do not think this is a plug for the prosperity gospel. Quite the opposite. God does not bless us so as to enable us to indulge the desires of our flesh. We don't know whether God is pleased with us by the things that we have and the things that we get or not. The two New Testament givers who were the most applauded by heaven were dirt poor. And there's no indication that they ever changed that status. The widow who gave all that she had and the Macedonian believers, probably from Philippi, that Paul uh, praised so much in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 to these very wealthy people. He's like, look, you're not doing much on this offering for this benevolence offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. How about doing something like these poor people in Macedonia? I told them you don't need to give and they begged to be a part of this. So nothing to do with the prosperity gospel here. God tells us how to make money so that we can be generous. The principles given in Proverbs are generally true in the lives of of believers and unbelievers alike. Take this one in Proverbs eleven twenty four. In fact, write this down. Especially those of you who were natured so that you like to hang on to money. Write this down, Proverbs eleven twenty four. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. 
Another withhold, withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And you know this to be true. You've seen people like this. Generous people like, what are you giving all your money away? Somehow, they give more money. People who are really, we better save. We can't, we can't do that. Never have enough. Sixth, in Proverbs, you will find wisdom to have the courage to discipline your children with a loving and firm hand, knowing that sometimes, despite your best efforts, they will fail to be wise. Do not give in to the culture's insistence that you should let your children make up their own minds about religion. Hindus don't. Muslims do not. What are you, what, what are you thinking? Sweetheart, I, I've got the wisdom of Yahweh here, but you really need to make up your own mind about that. Teach your children the principles of the Lord. Proverbs 22, 6 is a tough one for many parents. You know it before I say it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is a principle that is generally true. It is not a promise that if you do everything just right, your children will walk with the Lord. Because if they don't walk with the Lord or they walk away from the Lord, what then? You must have done something wrong. When Proverbs speaks of children who go astray, it assumes that the parents have done a good job. And it lays the responsibility at the feet of the child or the children. Do not beat yourself up. Every one of us must choose whether to follow Jesus or not, including your children. And they may be like this. And you may be like this, but inside you're like this, right? We're all struggling. Which is why we need to remember the gospel when we read Proverbs. Last of all, and just believe me, last for this time that we have. The value of hard work and the dangers of laziness. We'll find this in Proverbs. Hard work is assumed in Proverbs to be the work that is, or to be work that is done wisely. Laziness is easy, but leads to all sorts of need and disappointment and loss. Proverbs 24, 27 says this, Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that, build your house. Now, that's just good advice. Just good advice. That doesn't mean wait until you're 46 when you're well-established to get married. That's not what it's talking about. But he's saying, you better have priorities in your life. And I understand you've got things you want to do around the house, but you've got to make sure... That your business is established first. It's good to be reminded of this sort of wisdom at all stages of our lives. But it is especially important to learn it when we are young. And you know we have just scratched the surface. Proverbs is a beautiful gift to those who have trusted Jesus as our Savior. This Old Testament book is a burden to someone who is seeking good enough 
to be acceptable in God's sight. The only hope we have of being acceptable is Jesus. Who is for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption according to 1 Corinthians 1. In Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, he talks about don't put your hope in riches. Don't put your hope in wisdom. Don't put your hope in power. Those, those all pass away. In 1 Corinthians 1, when we give up all those things, that's who Jesus becomes to us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. As you read through Proverbs in August, Think about your union with Christ and ask the Father for the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to understand and apply Yahweh's wisdom to your heart. And then ask Him, I'm going to ask Him, that you'll say, you know, I think I'm going to do this again in September and the rest of the year. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father, um, too many times at my age when I'm reading Proverbs, I say, oh, I'm not following this very well. But the more I read it, the more ingrained it is in my heart. And it makes a difference in my day-to-day decisions. I pray that you would make us wise men and women boys and girls. I pray that you would make us generous people. I pray that you would make us disciplined and careful people. Pray that you would make us good, critical thinkers because you have designed that we walk through life in that way, always recognizing that wisdom comes from Jesus. Without him, there's no hope of wisdom. But in him, all the riches and the treasures of wisdom reside. And when we are united with him, then we benefit in amazing ways. So Lord, thank you for this first glimpse into Proverbs. We pray that you would encourage our hearts as we prepare for two more weeks of the preaching of the word from Proverbs. And I pray that you would help us to to come before you individually as your sons and daughters and hear wisdom from you, from this great book. Thank you for it. Blessings, Lord, on all who are here today and all who cannot be with us. Bless us with your wisdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.